0: You know, the one thing I struggle with when I have a new message that I'm preaching is what, what, to, what to call it. You say, well, that's not important. It is to me. I need to know what the title is, so if I ever want to preach it again, I'll be able to find it, you know. <laughs> but it occurred to me this morning that a good title for this message would be this, it's not an easy road but Jesus, I can't remember when I, with Andy Wood's help, I wrote, wrote this. It, it's been at least fifteen years ago, and it's talk about life being a road. Its contents are seeking the easy road, certainty for the road, light for the road, death on the road, power for the road, a pattern for the road, voices on the road, obstacles on the road, a crisis on the road, discouragement on the road, depression on the road the thief on the road, and staying on the road. It's not an easy road. Did you know the Christian life is not an easy road? You know that, don't you? You do know that. But you know those last words, it's not an easy road, but Jesus. And I thank God for Jesus. If you'd like to have a copy of it, it's available in the back. I never mention them. Uh, they're on sale for $8 and two for $20. So if you'd like to have it, now I just want to see if you were listening. I just want to see if you were listening. See, every now and then I'll say something to try to catch you. But if it is, it, you know, I, I don't, but it, it's there. And if you'd like to have one of them, All right, let me pray. Father, everybody here today has needs. Everybody here is running a race. Everyone has difficulty on the race. Today I pray that you would show us that Jesus is the one we keep our eyes on as we travel the road and as we run the race. Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear and a heart to receive in Jesus' name and a will to obey. Amen. Recently I was just... Taking a short walk, and the word endure came to me. Just out of nowhere. It just endure. I said, Well, Lord, what are you saying about enduring? And so I, I began to look up that word and began to see where that word was found in the Bible. And um, the Bible says a lot, are you listening? About a life that endures. In fact, this is kind of disturbing, but I'll help you with it. It says they that endure to the end will be saved. You say, well, brother Fred, does that mean some people that are saved are going to be lost? No. They that endure to the end will be saved because if they're saved, they'll endure to the end. Did you get that? If you're saved, you will endure to the end. You'll have a lot of falls on the way. It'll be rough on the way. There'll be some mountains to climb, some valleys to go through. But if you are saved, you will endure to the end. But as I begin to think about this matter of endurance, the greatest example of enduring is Jesus. Now, let me tell you what the word endure means. I'm not a Greek scholar at all. I took Greek in, in seminary at 8 o'clock. God is not up at 8 o'clock. I mean, I could not believe I was, and I was late every class. It was a train that stopped me all the time on the way to seminary. I told the professor that anyway. But, it, but um, the Greek language is a powerful language. It is so graphic. You have about four words for love, where one language just may have one. Now the word for endurance is the Greek word hupano, which means to bear up under a heavy load. When you say, well, Jesus endured, it means that he bore up under. He kept on going. He didn't quit. He didn't turn back when he was under a heavy load. And so when I say to you, well, she endured. I'm saying there was a heavy load, but she continued on in the journey and she did not turn back. She did not quit. She went, even though the load was heavy, she endured. So turn to Hebrews chapter 12, one through five, and it'll be on the screen, but you'll find out that in these verses, Jesus, it talks about Jesus enduring at least twice, uh, talking about his endurance. And he talks about life as a race, or I could call it a road. Therefore, in verse 1, since we're we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. As you walk the road and run the race, you can't have a bunch of junk hanging off of you. You've got to lay aside the weights that slow you down, okay? Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which easily trips us up. You see, any time you're walking the road or running the race, sin will always try to trip you up. And it said it easily trips us. Run, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily entraps us and run with endurance. Oh, it means that we're going to have to run the race and travel the road sometimes under a heavy load. And when you're under a heavy load, you sure get tired And and when you're under a heavy load, sometimes you feel like I just can't go on anymore. But it's said here, no. Now you run with endurance. Under that heavy load, you run with endurance. The race that is set before you, how do you do it? Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, don't you miss this, endured the cross. Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame. You know what that says? The cross was a heavy load that Jesus was under. Now, not that the wood on the cross was heavy. It was heavy because Jesus, after they had beaten him and plucked his beard out and he was weak, he stumbled and we know the guy picked up the cross and helped Jesus carry it on to to Golgotha. But Jesus was on a much heavier load than a wooden cross. The Bible says that Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame, and is sit down right now at the right hand of God, victorious over the world, the flesh, and the devil. You did know Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. Hallelujah. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. And I want to tell you, Jesus has got the final word. But it goes on and says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who the joy that was set before him, endured this cross, despising the shame, set down the right hand of God. Now, it's going to say another thing about Jesus enduring. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners. You know? A lot of people didn't like Jesus. In fact, a lot of people hated Jesus. In fact, a lot of the religious leaders wanted to kill Jesus. So when it says here, Jesus endured, he lived under the heavy load of hostility, hatred, opposition, lying. It says he endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary. Now you remember Jesus had opposite. He said, remember that lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. I want to talk about three things this morning. I want to talk about Jesus as our example of endurance. But then I want to talk about how we, you and I have to endure on the road of life, how that we have to live sometimes and keep going when we're under a heavy load, how we can endure. And then the last thing is I want to talk to you, how to endure, how to bear the heavy load, how not to give up, how not turn back, how not to quit, how not to pull on the side of the road and retire from following Jesus. Oh no. You know, Jesus, it says here that he endured the cross and he endured the hostility of sinners. Now let's talk about Jesus enduring the cross. Why was the cross such a heavy load to him? Because you know, he knew that he was born to die. Now you and I, we look at life when a little baby's born into the world, he's born to live or she's born to live. But when Jesus was born into this world, he came on a mission and he was born to die. And at around 33 years of age, he died. And he knew the cross, dying on the cross, was the will of God for his life. He knew that. In fact, he tried to tell the disciples, and oh, look, let me tell you what's going to happen to me. In Matthew chapter 20, verses 17 through 19, On the way to Jerusalem, he told the disciples, before it happened, he said, now let me tell you what's going to happen. Now Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the 12 disciples aside on the road and said to them, and he tells us, behold, we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed by the chief priest and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. And he goes on and says... That he, that he will, they will deliver him to the Gentiles, the Romans, to mock him, to scourge him, and to crucify him. And on the third day, he will rise again. It couldn't be any plainer than that. Jesus, The cross did not catch Jesus by surprise. Oh, no. He lived in the shadow of the cross. That's where he lived. However, when the time came for Jesus to go to the cross let me tell you something. The load got extremely heavy. So you know what he did? It's what we need to do when the load gets heavy. He took Peter, James, and John, and he went to a garden called Gethsemane. I think Jesus had been there many times before to pray. I think he had prayed with others there. I remember years ago, the first time I went to the Holy Land, The one thing that impressed me the most, I saw the hill shaped like a skull, but no. When we're in the Garden of Gethsemane, and the guide said, you know, there's some olive trees here that were here when Jesus prayed 2,000 years ago. I said, my heavens. So Jesus was facing the cross, and in Matthew chapter 26, I want you to notice what it says. Man, he endured the cross he was under a heavy, heavy, heavy load. It, the scripture's on the screen, but it says in, in Matthew uh, 26, and it's verse, th- uh, verse 36. Let me find it. It says here. But then, Je- then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. Now, I want you to see what kind of load he's under. I want to watch you watch somebody endure called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John. And he, now get this, now get this. He began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. The son of God was in agony, y'all. He began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, goodness, what you don't be under a heavy load. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. He said, I, this load is so heavy, it is killing me. That's a heavy load. Stay here with, and watch with me. He went a little further and fell on his face praying, and he's asking Father, is there any way for people to be saved unless I go to the cross? He knew the answer. But he was just sharing the agony of his soul. He went a little while further and fell on his face saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, if there's any other way for people to be forgiven, to be saved, to be set free, to be delivered, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Just let it pass from me, Lord. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Well, so he prayed a while and then he went back and, Checked on his disciples. They'd been asleep. <laughs> but again, it says in verse 42, don't miss this now. A second time he went away and prayed, saying, Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. He said, Lord, if there's no other way. And he knew there wasn't. But you see, Jesus was weighted down under a heavy load, he was enduring. <laughs> He was enduring the cross, y'all. And the Bible says he despised the shame. Why? What was it about the cross that Jesus despised? Oh, Jesus knew what was in the cup. He knew what was there. All the sins that would ever be committed from the beginning of the creation of the human race till the end, every sin that would ever be committed was in that cup. He also knew that all the guilt that was upon people's lives because of sin was in that cup. And he knew that all the shame that sin left people in when they had committed it, you know, the guilt and the shame in that cup was guilt, in that cup was sin, in that cup was shame, and in that cup was separation. He had never been separated from his Father. Never. Not from from eternity. And Jesus looked at him and said, My, that's a heavy load. To take the sins of the whole world. To take your sin. To take the guilt of the whole world. To take your guilt. To take the shame of the whole world. That was your shame. And to be separated from my Father. So that all the people that would come to me and be saved would never have to be separated. I'm telling you, Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame. But you know, there's a part of this verse (coughs) in Hebrews 12. It, It says this, and I think the second verse, who for the joy, stay with me, that was set before him. Now, wait a minute who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Well, what was the joy? He despised the shame, but as he was headed to the cross, it said it was the joy that was set before him enabled him to endure the cross. You know what the joy was? Number one, he knew he'd be doing the Father's will even though he struggled with it, even though it was hard, he knew that he would be obeying his heavenly father and doing the will of his father. He knew that. And the second thing he knew was that unless he went to the cross, you and I would be lost. Unless he went to the cross, we would be separated from God forever. There would be no forgiveness No guilt gone. No shame gone. And he realized that only as the captain of our salvation suffered death would we be ever able to be set free. And so the joy that he had was... I'm going to please my father. I'm going to obey his will. I'm going to accomplish the purpose he gave me on my, in my life. And I'm going to make the perfect sacrifice for sin forever. I'm going to make it possible for the deepest sinner to be saved. I'm going to make it possible for them to live a life of victory. He said, I'm going to defeat the devil. I'm going to overcome the flesh. And I'm going to overcome the world. Listen. It wasn't the nails that kept Jesus on that cross. It was his love for God and his love for us and the joy that he knew that by his death we could be saved. Glory to God. It was a joy. The inner strength that came from knowing that our salvation would be secured when he died in our place. And so he endured the cross, despising. The shame. Did you know the Bible says this? That there's a cross we have. Did you know the Bible says we have a cross? And you know, let me say something. When you get under, when you face the cross, now you stay with me. When you face the cross that God has called you to bear, you're dealing with a heavy load. In Luke chapter 9, verses 21 through 23, I want you to listen. See, Jesus had a cross to bear, and it it was a heavy load. But then God says to us, but wait a minute, there's one for you. If you choose to be a follower of Jesus, if you choose to receive Christ in repentance of sin and faith, hey, you've got a cross. And it's in Luke 9, 21 through 23. It says right here, then he said to them all, well, I'm going to go back. um, No, I'm going to start in verse 23. Then he said to them all, all right, this is for you. If anyone desires to come after me, follow me, believe in me, trust in me, repent of your sins and receive me as your Lord and Savior. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself Take up his cross daily and follow me. I'm going to tell you one thing. The human nature, the nature of Adam, the flesh, the last thing it wants to do is deny itself. This world's motto is I'm going to live for myself. It's my life. I'm going to live it the way I want to live it, and I'm going to live for myself, and man, it's going to be eat, drink, and be merry, because tomorrow you may die. Oh, not, not you may die, you will die. But let me tell you something, you'll never know life until you lose your life, because Jesus can't be your life as long as you hold on to it and say, I'm going to live my life just the way I want to live it. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. And I'm not even going to let the God who created me tell me what to do. And even though Jesus died on the cross for my sins, I'm not going to let go of them because I'm going to live for myself. And this thing of denying myself, I, that's too heavy a load for me to bear. But Jesus said, if you're going to come after me, you've got to deny yourself. Die to yourself every day and come and follow me. And then he said in the next verse, if you seek to hold on to your life, I'm going to live for myself. If you seek to uh, save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life, and by the way, following Jesus is the most abundant, abundant, glorious, wonderful life in the world. You see, you can save your life and you're still going to have heartaches and troubles and sorrows and difficulties and disappointments and failures and failures. But you go through it alone. But when you give up your life to Jesus, yes, there's still difficulty and heartaches and sorrows. There's still a load that is there. But the thing about it is you've taken under up the load of the cross and you've died to yourself. You said, I will not live for myself. I will live for him who loved me and gave himself for me. See, there's a cross you have to bear. But let's move on to the second thing Jesus endured. He bow up under the heavy load of the cross, but listen to this: He endured the hostility of sinners. He endured the hostility of sinners. Everybody should have loved Jesus, but they hated Jesus. John t- 10, 27 through thirty three. I don't want you to notice how they just wanted to stone Jesus. Why would they want to stone Jesus? Why would they want to do that? The tenth chapter of John, verses twenty seven through thirty three. They wanted to stone him. Let me look at it right here. In John 10, 27 through 33, it says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my father's hand. All right? And said, my, I and my father are one. Look at verse uh, 20, 32. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. He just said he gives people eternal life and they'd never perish. And and they didn't like it because he said, I and my father are one. So they took up stones again to stone him. He said, many good works I have shown you for which of these do you stone me? Jesus endured the hostility of sinners. You know, in Mark chapter 1, Mark chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, Jesus goes into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and the Jews had all kind of rules, you know, they, they, they listen, Christianity is not keeping the rules. Christianity is a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Religion is outward pressure to keep the rules. Religion, you got to do this, you can't do that, you got to do this, you can't do that. Hey, I don't like religion, because it's rules, and I can't keep the rules, but Christianity is a relationship where Jesus Christ comes to live in us and gives us the power to live the right kind of life. But anyway, you couldn't do anything on the Sabbath day. You couldn't even pick a ear coin. You, you couldn't go more than a mile. And so, but there was a man in the synagogue on the Sabbath day that had a withered hand. And, 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 and they were watching to see if Jesus was going to heal him because you can't do that on the Sabbath day. That was against the rules. So they watched him and Jesus told the the man to stand forth and, and, and finally he stood up and he said, okay, he asked him to reach forth his hand and Jesus healed that man's withered hand. It healed right there in the presence of the Pharisees and the scribes. And you know what the last verse it said in that, in in that Mark, uh, chapter, uh, verse five and six it says the pharisees went out immediately with the herodians against him listen at this that they might destroy him he just healed a man's withered hand but you know rules are more important than human beings religion's more important than people you know you know you got to keep the religion baloney i mean i got i got i mean that makes me angry No, listen, it's all about loving people. Why in the world wouldn't God want that man's hand to be healed on the Sabbath day? It was the religious rule, a tradition of men. And Jesus hated it. And he just healed that man, and they all said, we're going to kill him for that. Well, let me just say this. Uh, If you follow Jesus, if you obey Jesus, If you let Jesus Christ live in you and through you, and you don't go along with the crowd, you say no to sin and temptation, you live a righteous life, you live a godly life. I didn't say a perfect life. A holy life, guess what? You're going to endure the hostility of sinners. Oh, yeah. Oh, no question about it. You'll endure. It it, it says in 2 Timothy 3.12, you know what it says? They that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. You mean if you live a godly life in the office and you don't laugh at the dirty jokes? You live a godly life and you don't say they're going to go in the back room and watch pornography and you're not going to do it with them? And and they got all kind of junk, you know, they're all talking about all these getting drunk and all this junk stuff and and you you don't go along with it? Guess what? They're not going to like you. In fact, if you live godly in Christ Jesus, you will suffer persecution. Well, nobody ever bothers me, Brother Fred, something's wrong. Don't you be like that man who was going, going to logging camp, and he, you know, they told him, he said, I'll tell you one thing, those loggers, they are wicked people. They are wicked people, and you're going to go up there, and you, as a Christian, they're going to give you a hard time. He went up there, stayed six months, and came back, and they said, how was it? I know you. they treated you awful. No, it was, it, I was fine. I never told anybody I was a Christian. Maybe that's why you do so well in the office. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of Jesus Christ. Well, let's go on with it. Thank you for the. We're not ashamed of Jesus. Hallelujah. All right, let let me say this. So Jesus endured the hostility of sinners. But now I want to talk to you. And he endured the cross. He's our example. I want to talk to you about you enduring on the road. How you endure in your daily life. Because let me say something. I'm looking across this auditorium, this worship center. There's some of you under a heavy load. You are under a heavy load. And all of us at times get under a hoopamano, he- And it says we've got to endure. We've got to keep going under a heavy load. And so, you know, in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 13 through 15, it talks about what we do when we're under a heavy load. Hebrews 6, for, God, for when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. Now look at the verse. Saying, surely blessing, this is the promise of God, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply you. And then he says, so that after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Okay. God said to Abraham and Sarah, I'm going to give you a son of promise. His name will be Isaac. His his seed will be as the sand of the sea and the stars of the sky. Years passed. What, 20, 25 years? I've forgotten how many Sarah was uh, right around 100. And I don't know how old Abraham was, but it's hard to have a child when you're 100. But don't you know the people thought that Sarah was a fool when she was decorating the nursery when she was 100 years old? She was going to Babies R Us to find something. I said, man, you're a little old for this. And don't you know that Abraham many times said, God, this is a heavy load. Where's Isaac? It's a heavy load. Where's Isaac? But you know, he had to endure so that the promise could be obtained. You know, God's given you some promises, some promises in your life, some promises you've been standing on for some time. And you say, Brother Fred, I'm tired of waiting on the promise. It's a heavy load. It's a, let's, but wait a minute. Endure. You, you, you have need of a patient endurance that after you've done the will of God, after you've done the will of God, then you shall obtain the promise. You believe God, and then the promise comes. But it doesn't say, for Abraham, it was a long time before it came. But he endured, and he received the promise. So what do we do when we're on the road, and, man, we get under a heavy load? And my goodness, Hebrews 10, 35 and 36, I want to talk to you what it says. Therefore, therefore, do not cast away your confidence, your confidence in Jesus. My confidence is in God. Your confidence is in God, my confidence in Jesus, your confidence in Jesus. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. And then it goes on and said, for you, need, you have need of endurance, bearing up under the load, that after you've done the will of God, I did what God told me to do. You may receive the promise. You mean the promise doesn't come immediately? He said, you have need of endurance. That after you've done the will of God, just keep bearing up under the load. You will receive the promise. All right. Let me tell you where we have to bear a heavy load. And I'm not going to go into great detail on every one of these, but I want to say a couple of things here. I watch people and minister to people and you watch people and you minister to people. And, you know, you help them carry the load. We help them carry the load. I pray we help them carry the load. The Bible says bear one another's burdens. But some people have to endure the heavy load of sickness. You know, I'm going to tell you, sickness is real. God heals the sick. We need to pray for people to be healed. But I think of all the people that I know right now that couldn't be here today because they're under a heavy load. Of sickness, and I think of all the loved ones that are taking care of those that are sick, and they're under a heavy load of sickness. That's when you just got to keep trusting God, that His grace will be sufficient, His strength will be made perfect in your weakness. But I want to tell you something, friend, it's real, it's real when you're under the heavy load when you're sick or somebody you love sick. But you just remember this, you're not, you're not alone. You're not alone. The Lord Jesus is right there. And, and I've watched people, and I'd I, I say, Lord, how in the world do they endure? How do they keep going under such a heavy load? But you know what? God gives them the grace one day at a time to endure. You know, that some people are under the heavy load uh, of um, financial difficulty. You know... I know a lot of people that have, uh, in the, mar- uh, marine business and the oil business, you know, they've laid off 200,000 people in the oil fields of the Gulf because of the price of gas, price of gas has helped us. Thank you, Lord. But it sure hadn't helped them. I know a boat captain that had been a boat captain for many years and had so many hours. And right now he's driving a forklift. It's the only thing he could find. I know I talked to another one this week that said, well, Man, I was my salary's been cut to one fourth. It's hard to live on one fourth, Brother Fred. What do you do when you're under the heavy load? of financial pressure. Did you know that 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 is makes more marriages more fragile than anything else because you either have the money or you don't have the money and either you can pay the bills or you can't pay the bills and either you you see there's a heavy load that comes there and so what do you do do you worry do you fret do you panic no if you can get a job you get one you look you pray but I tell you what you do you endure. God will bring you out on the other side. Oh he will. He will. I'm telling you, don't let fear consume you. Don't do that. But you see, we have to endure when we're under the heavy load of finances. We really do. We have to endure when our marriage is in a hard place. All marriages have hard places. You know, we said, they never said that thing. They got married and live happily ever after. It ain't true, y'all. This is not true. They got married and said, what in the world have I done? They said, I do and find out for the rest of the life what they did. I've been, my wife and I have been married 58 years. The Lord have mercy on her soul. <laughs> to be married for, with a preacher for 58 years. My soul, thank God she hasn't left me yet. Hallelujah. <laughs> And she's not planning on it because she can't afford it. (laughs) But I'll tell you one thing. We've had some hard places in our marriage. Oh, some hard places. And I know many of you, you love your husband, you love your wife. But, boy, you've been through some hard places. And some of you still going through hard places. And, you know, it's a sad thing to live under the same roof with somebody and to be emotionally separated from them. That's hard. Something's died. It's hard. That's why you have to keep working at it. And keep loving and encouraging each other. And lay down your life for each other. You you, you know, somebody, you know, it's 50-50. No, it isn't. Marriage is not 50-50. You give 100% and she gives 100%. No, it's 50-50 bit. And we're not going to sit there and say, well, I gave 49.3. That ain't it. (laughs) But some of you are under a heavy load right now of your marriage. And and you You like that sign I saw on Schillinger's Road. Some greedy lawyer put up there said... Life is too short. 1-800-DIVORCE. Isn't that stupid? He said, you don't have to put up with it. Just dial this number. Yeah, and he'll charge you about $4,000 for what he'll do. And you won't be any better off after he called him. Some of you are under a heavy load of marriage. You've got to bear up under it, folks. You've got to endure. you got to endure. Some of you are under you heavy, um, got to endure with, with your children that are in trouble. You know, you say, well, once they get over 18 and they leave home, they're not in any trouble. Oh my goodness, where did you get that? <laughs> Lord, I think so. I see more, more children in trouble at 35 than I do at 21. Well, I've got to go back home and live with mama. Now, I can understand that if you've lost your job. I can understand that when you're not able. Oh, I can understand that. But if you go home and you're a deadbeat and you don't do your part and you take advantage of them, that's wrong. And you break many a mother's heart. I've had more ladies tell me that I had to put my son out. He lived with me six months but he wouldn't work. He wouldn't do anything. I just had to put him out. I said, that was the right thing to do. You were enabling him to live a lifestyle that was not pleasing to God. You had to make that choice. You did all you could, but you see, you never get to the point that you don't care about your children and you don't love your children. But I'm just telling you, sometimes they are a heavy load. The disappointment The the failure. Man, it's just hard. But you keep loving them. You just bear up under that heavy load, though. You endure and pray for God to change them and God to have mercy on them. And for God to show you how to respond to them. You have to endure under that heavy load. Maybe you um, personally are battling addiction or have someone in your family that's battling addiction. I'm going to tell you something. That's a heavy load. They'll steal from you. They'll do anything they can to keep their habit up. I tell you, man, you're talking about a heavy load when you're addicted to something, whether it's alcohol or drugs or whatever it is, pornography. You're talking about a heavy load when you're out of control. You're not in control anymore. And that addiction so consumes you that you'll do anything I mean, you know, it, 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 listen, you're talking about being a slave. You're talking about a harsh taskmaster. You're talking about sin taking you further than you intended to go and keeping you longer than you intended to stay and costing you more than you intended to pay. You get addicted. My God. Whew. That is living hell. But you know, some of you may be under that load yourself personally. God Wants to set you free, but is no. I'm just saying to you, Jesus came to deliver the captives. You've got loved ones that are under that man. You are under a heavy load because you know that that unless they turn to Jesus, they are going to be addicted. They're not going to get free. You know, Jesus is our example of being, of enduring. You say, all right, brother Fred, how do I endure? Look at, let's go back to Hebrews 12. And it'll take me about three or four minutes just to show you, but you got to do it. I I can show it to you, but you got to do it. In Hebrews 12, it says, verse one, let us lay aside every weight, the sins, which so easily ensnares us run with endurance, the race looking unto Jesus. It's right there in that verse running with endurance the race that is set before us looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith not looking unto religion not looking under trying to do better myself not looking unto good works not, not trying to change myself not no 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 uh, not not trying to take solve all my problems myself looking unto Jesus I think I can understand that. When you're under a heavy load, fix your eyes upon Jesus. Well, what does that mean, Brother Fred? I tell you what it means. It means you go to Him and 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 you uh, you surrender to Him as your Savior and Lord. You know you got you can't go any further. You know there's a, in a race there's a, a starting point and a finish line. There's a starting point and the finish line. The starting point is when you repent of your sins, God be merciful to me, a sinner. I realize I've sinned against you. I've lived for myself, but I believe Jesus died on the cross in my place. He shed his blood. If I'd been the only person in the world, Jesus would have still died on that cross. He would have still took my sins. He would have still took my shame. He would have still took my guilt, and I believe that Jesus died for me, and he rose, and if I'll repent, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Change me. You can't change yourself. Change me, Lord. I receive Christ as my Lord and Savior. Man, that's the starting point. You're in the race, and you look to Jesus as your life. You look to him for strength. Listen, you know, when I was in high school, I'd already gotten saved at nine, but I got away from God and every night I'd tell the Lord, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to quit. Next day was the same old mess. You know, the only time I quit doing, uh, doing what I said I wasn't going to do is when I got right with God, when I let Jesus be my life, when I quit struggling and striving and said, Jesus, I can't do it. He said, I never, you said you never could. I never said you could do it. You see, you say, well, I get saved and get in the boat and then I got to paddle my own boat. That's a joke. You don't have to paddle. You get in your, you get saved and you get in the boat and Jesus is the power to make that boat go. You've got to look to Jesus as your life. I'm crucified with Christ. Christ lives in me. You've got to look to Jesus as what he's done for you. If anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. If anyone be in Christ, he's a new creature. He's a new creature. Oh, things are passed away. That's a new beginning. That's getting out from under that load. You've got to look to Jesus as your strength. I can do all things, all things through Christ that strengthened me. By the way, I can't do anything unless Christ strengthens me. But I can do all things through Christ. See, you've got to look to Jesus. You've got to look to Jesus. You've got to talk to him. You've got to talk to him every day. You've got to listen to him every day. You've got to re- re- get in his word and, and read the Psalms and, and read Proverbs and, and read the New Testament and then go back and read the great prophets, Isaiah and Jeremiah. Just get in this book. The Bible says this book speaks life to you. The Bible says it's a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. You say, well, you know, Brother Fred, I don't know if I believe the Bible. Have you ever read it? Can, have you ever read it all the way through? have you ever read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Well, I don't. No, I'm asking you. How can you believe? No, well, you believe in something if you don't read it. Man, you've got to look to Jesus as your life. Look to Jesus as your strength. Look to Jesus as your example. And you've got to talk to him. You've got to listen to him. You've got, you say, well, I don't know what to say. Just say, Jesus, here I am. Anything you'd like for me to say, he'll tell you what to say. Oh, he will. Prayer's not eloquent. You just start talking to Jesus. You've got to look to him. You've got to pray. You've got to worship him. You've got to get in the word. All I can say to you, all of us will have heavy loads to bear. All of us. But are you going to endure? Are you going to endure? Are you going to bear up under that load? Are you going to have victory? Are you going to endure it? You know, I, I tell you one of the hardest things to do, and I'm going to pray, and that's to endure when a loved one dies. It's one thing if they're sick for a while, and you know they're going to go be with the Lord. And you kind of, God kind of prepares you. But even, even though you know they're going to go to heaven, you, you get under a heavy load. You get under a heavy load. But you know Jesus is there with you, and he brings you through it. If they die suddenly, guess what? It's a heavy load. But I'm going to tell you something. Jesus is right there. And when you know where they are, you'll find out that the joy that's in your heart, that inner strength enables you to bear up under that load when someone you love suddenly is no longer with you. The word endurance, bearing up under a heavy load. Are you enduring? You can. Not in your own strength. But with Jesus Christ living in you, there's no load so heavy. Because he gets under the load with you. And with Jesus Christ, you can carry that load. And you can keep on enduring. And you'll come at... You know, Jesus endured the cross. But three days later, he rose from the dead. So you just keep on enduring what you're enduring. And one day... Joy is going to come in the morning. Amen. The darkest hour is right before the dawn. Hold on, my child. Endure. Hold on, my child. Endure. Joy comes in the morning. The darkest hour is just before the dawn.